0: Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to part two of the episode titled Stay in Your Lane. Nick and Ashley and Tyler and Sarah are back again this week for a continuation of the conversation they had last week introducing you guys to the wives behind the coaches. Hope you guys enjoy part two this week, and Nick and Tyler will be back next week for another episode of Hang'Em Up. So, Sarah, to kind of settle a little bit of what I'll call a poke fun uh, debate that Nick and I have had, the importance of practice in season. And we can use our team for a sample size. Um, I told Nick that I think that uh, we get enough practice pre- preparation with the way that I run practices preseason, that practices in season specifically for the fall uh, are not as necessary. Nick loves practice. What are you, uh, just curious, and Ashley, you can chime in on this as well. What are y'all's thoughts on practice?
1: Well, being a retired athlete <laughs> and vocalist, <laughs> Um, I would say practice is really important. I was also a dancer. So like, you know, I don't know, in dance class, it was always like practice like it's the real thing. Because the moment you get out there and you're practicing or you're doing the real thing, like you're practicing and you're not showing up 100% for practice. Then you're going to like, say I come in and I get 50% at my dance practice and then recital comes, I'm getting 50%. Like it's going to show and I'm going to stick out like a sore thumb. So like our motto was always a hundred percent all the time and practice was always weekly. I know with basketball, it was multiple times a week. They wanted you to touch a basketball every day, even if it wasn't just for like, you know, 15 minutes working on dribbling working on your shot, um, just stuff like that. So I find practice very important. however, I do also think that there's practice appropriateness as far as age goes. So like I feel like the expectation was a lot more once I like hit like middle school and high school, there is a big expectation on practice time. Um, so I think the smaller or the younger you are, I think practice is important, but I would say just being around that particular sport or being like getting more familiar with it, but maybe not like a hardcore practice all the time, but maybe just, you know, playing a game instead of, you know, doing the same old, same old all the time, you know, because for kids it's. Shortest tension spans, you know, if it's not fun, they're not in it mentally, you know, um, they get they get bored. Yeah, uh, yada yada. it. You could burn them out. I feel like, too. So I don't know. I feel like it's super important. But I do feel like depending on the age and the mindset, you do have to kind of like tweak it. But that's just my opinion.
0: Ashley, yeah, I would on that?
2: say absolutely. I would say as a parent, <clears throat> if I'm signing my kid up for a sport, they better be practicing. I'm more of the drill sergeant of our family. Like I would say I'm the strict one. I'm the hard one on him. Like good things come from hard work. Like they need to practice. Like how is my six year old gonna get any better if he's not practicing? Like he has to learn how to catch. He has to learn how to hit the ball. He's not gonna learn that during a game. So if I was on a team that wasn't practicing, I would be having words with that coach. Like I would not be okay with it. Um, and I am also the parent who has my kid out there every, not every minute but you know it might be 10 minutes a day but like yeah we're gonna throw the ball for 10 minutes it, and it doesn't matter what the sport is it doesn't matter if it's like schoolwork it doesn't matter you know if it's just hey let's just race go into the stop sign and back like the children especially at a young age are sponges I, and again it does seem to be age appropriate it needs to be fun for them it needs to be not multiple hours a day but they they've got to practice like one thing that I, that nick is great with our kids is he makes it fun and it's not always baseball but it will like correlate to baseball like for instance if they are watching a football game like they're playing catch in the house with like whether it's a football or just a random like softball but i know that's correlating to helping him with high-end hand eye formation like catching the ball with baseball things like that and, and even, like, teaching them little, like, competitive, like, skills, I think is important. So, yeah, as a parent, forget being a coach's wife. I would definitely have words with a coach if they weren't having practice. I would not be okay with
0: it. So, fortunately, Nick and I have had conversation on this, and come spring, we will be implementing more practice. Um, maybe I'm naive to this, you know, and so I'm, I'm, I'm welcome to the criticism. Um, I I feel like I've had a rubric Uh, You know, Nick has discussed and talked about um, what the progression plan looks like from day one to, you know, final out of the season. And um, I guess it could be a debate. Maybe I've had some very talented players. I'd I'd like to think that it's my coaching style and coaching instinct and um, technical gamesmanship that I bring to their skill level. But I've always set out at least eight practices preseason, and each one of them is very identifiable to like how we're going to be, how we're going to prepare to win a ball game. And I guess just coming from the notion, and Ashley, I, you know, I think you touched on, you know, playing at a higher level of soccer, that that burnout can become very real. I think maybe also, let's be honest, if I'm being critical of myself, I know when I'm on the ball field, there is an element of like, I want to make this fun and applicable but I also have a standard of what I want the excellence of the drill to look like. Right. And so it's probably a little bit of the drill sergeant in me, Ashley, that comes out where I'm like, I could overkill this very quickly. I jokingly have already told Nick, I was like, bro, you're going to be the the fun guy. You're going to be the good cop. I'm going to be the bad cop. You know, when our coaching, um, you know, uh, comes together, but I think it's also that recognition of what you, where you're good at and what you're good at in areas that you need to improve and I say improve because I don't want to say that you recognize that you're bad at something. So you just assume I'll always be bad at it. Right. Probably why you and Sarah both have can't stand me and Nick's conversations. Honestly, I I hope Nick gets something out of it as much as I get out of it and talking to him just about perspective and making, you know, changes in our style, um, lifestyle,
3: coaching style, you know, et cetera. Nick, I'll, I'll let you have the floor. So just to kind of the, the continuation with the, with practice, I'm trying to remember exactly where I heard this. Uh, it was during business school. I do know that. Workers will give an extra effort if they don't think that they're working. And like, it's not the exact quote. I can't remember the exact quote, but I've like kind of taken that idea or that concept, right, wrong, or indifference, have ch- <laughs> like uh used my own kid as a beta test of uh, can he practice without making him think he's actually practicing? And like it's forced me to think outside the box. Uh, I think I've mm-hmm. I brought this up in previous episodes or d- discussions. I know I've talked about it several times uh, with just di- different coaches um, during games of uh, I call it dodgeball baseball, right? You throw dodgeball kids line up, you know, it's, it's kids versus coaches kids line up at the dodgeball. If they watch the ball, they get pelted with the ball. Right. And then as they're getting pelted with why I say pelted, like they're, they're soft balls. No kid has ever gotten hurt doing this. But they learn, if I watch the ball, I'm going to get hit. There's negative consequences to this. I need to hit the ball, look at first base, run through first base. If they don't run through first base, they stop on first base, they get hit with another ball by another coach. If they overrun a base, second or third base, they, they're off the base, they're rounding it, doing whatever that they're not supposed to be doing, they get hit. That practice, I got so much positive feedback from parents. And like we had four to five different players that just I mean, we're talking three quarters of the way through the season that weren't getting it. You have to stop on second base. You have to run through first base. You run through first base. I promise you are going to you are going to start beating some of these throws. You are basically right there. Uh, if you get off second base and they tag you, you that's going to be an easy out. Three outs, and we got to go play defense again. And I know you all hate playing defense. Y'all just want to be hit up, up here hitting dingers. So, anyways, if you make it fun, the kids don't think they're practicing; they think that. They're just out there yeah. playing games. Like we've, we did a relay race with the Velcro balls and the Velcro mitt type of thing. I can't remember what the heck they call it, but did a relay race of throwing it down to one end. There were six kids in a row, throw it down to one end and back. Okay. It's a learning hand-eye coordination, catching the ball, right? Also learning a relay. Mm-hmm. And then we also changed it into, okay, let's do a relay race versus somebody running. So they learned which one's quicker. Me running with the ball or me throwing the ball and having Bobby try to outrun it. Well, they learned pretty quickly. I can throw the ball a lot quicker than me running. So it's, it's just in a way, shape, form, it's, you're trying to trick the kid into, Hey, we're, we're playing a game, but you can use that context and explain to them baseball or whatever, right? Like what, whatever sport you just, it, it's going to take some creativity to instill that idea, that message or lesson, in their mind. And there are some things that you just, you can't like you you have to coach. This is the way this is I, that there's no fun way about it. And maybe there is, maybe I'm, I'm lacking creativity on that, but the, the, this youth age, as long as we keep it fun and keep the fun idea in their minds where we can be successful while still coaching the, uh, the necessary items. Sorry, go ahead. Tyler. No, you're fine. I'll, I'll touch on this. We'll, we'll segue into our last hot take.
0: I think the thing that I struggle with as a coach to me, age doesn't matter. And I'll probably get critics on this. Yes. Fun. Universally agree. Um, the balance of them also understanding the technical hard work side of it. Right. And it like our son, he'll, uh, I think Sarah will agree. The thing that drives me bananas with him at times. And, and I feel like I've done a decent job. Like, are we training or are we playing? And once our son realizes that there's an option for play, how do we equate or balance play with actual training, right? Like Ashley, you played soccer. Sometimes training sucks, but it's necessary. And I think, you know, because we've hit on some key words, discipline, right? Um, Just skill level, understanding of the game. There has to be a unique balance between attention span and fun versus also like the grips of like, these are the rules of of baseball, right? I guess we'll, uh, you know, we'll find out Uh, I'm I'm willing to learn some of your approaches, Nick, on this. Uh, Maybe it'll be a very good bounce back and forth, but I've always been more on the here's baseball through the eyes of me. Here's how we're going to coach it. Here's how you're going to play it. It's had good results. Doesn't mean that the good results always equate uh, and maybe it's a flaw. I, I don't know if I've ever had a parent come up to me and say, Oh, this, this season was miserable. As you said, Nick, sometimes winning masks, you know, some of those peanut gallery comments, right? So I'm not naive to that, but um, yeah, I, I guess I struggle with like where the drill side of it all, all comes to um, in terms of actually the applicable sport versus the fun side of it. But, you know, we can, we can dive into that later on for another um, episode. Last thing. Well, ladies,
1: I, I, would, I wanted to add something to that.
3: Yeah, go ahead, sir. <laughs> go ahead.
1: I think too, like um, something to just always remember, like that's something I try to remember as a mom, but I think it'd be cool, like for coaches to think this too, is like, it kind of like touches back on like what Ashley was saying is about kids being sponges, like kids are capable, are more capable than what like we think. And so I think sometimes we, dependent on how they're feeling in that moment, we Or decide that they're not capable of doing that thing we're asking based off of a immediate circumstance or how they're feeling in that moment at that particular practice. But at the end of the day, like if you keep if you if you do if you do a drill um, and you do it at every single practice, and the first practice it goes horrible, you know, or they're just not feeling it or whatever, but you keep doing it. Eventually, they rise to the occasion. And they are capable of working hard and getting better at that thing. And, like, I know, like, kids, like, the majority of their life are, are training and learning new things and getting better at things. And, and they are capable, like, even if they're struggling, like, they are capable to learn and overcome that struggle and get better. And so I think that's just something always to remember as well. Like, even if they have, you know, a bad reaction to it at first, it's most likely because they feel like they can't do it or the other kids might be doing it better than they can. But just staying consistent, encouraging them because, you know, that they're actually capable of doing it. It's just getting it out of them and not giving them like the option of like, okay, you can just set this one out or we'll learn that later, because what I've learned is. They are absolutely capable of doing those things. And um it's actually really cool to see a kid who, you know, like I said before, it's like they really struggled at first and they probably didn't really want to do it. But at the end, you know, you make them keep trying and keep trying and eventually they get it. And it's just, you know, it's a pretty cool like journey to see. So
3: you unlock yeah. their potential. hmm uh-huh. Yeah. Tyler you're so it's you're actually going.
0: a yeah so it's actually a perfect segue and actually and I'll go to you on this first I think sometimes as coaches and Nick and I've been talking about this a little bit you know we can use the random kids that we get right or or just when you go up to a ball field and you and you see the next generational kid the god-given talent kid and I guess as I pose this question does the God-given talented kid always get unfair amount of chances versus does the hard work dedicated kid that always has to earn it oh you know n- never get appreciated enough and and, and three whether it being your playing career um, or just by observation which do you come to appreciate more
2: well I don't know if this will directly answer that question but I can see differences in my children personally. And again, ages are different. So that definitely plays a part as far as like development and things like that. But I have one kid that is a true people pleaser. Like he takes direction well. You can teach him how to do something. He retains the information. He strives to please you. And it's really fun to teach him new things. And he picks up on them really quickly. And then I have another child who it's a little bit more strong-willed, a little bit more like beats to his own drum, <clears throat> but probably has a little bit more of the natural talent when it comes to, let's just say baseball as an example. I don't know. And again, the ages are different. So that plays a huge part into like how is this going to play out like 10 years from now. But to me, I like a child. Well, I love both my children. So I probably should be careful how I say this, but <laughs> i don't have favorites i promise Uh um it's easier to coach a kid who gets it right like who can take direction is understanding it like i don't i don't know i guess i'm like in my head as of right now like i'm going back and forth which one do i appreciate more i don't think that the one with the god-given talent gets more credit or less time being coached If, if anything i think they get more attention um I'm I'm always gonna be one for the underdog, I think, if that answers the question.
3: I think to kind of yeah, I think that's certainly appropriate. To kind of rephrase this or reposition this question, so to speak, is you have the kid that has a God given talent. Let's you let's use a drill during practice as an example. Let's call him Pepe. Barry Bonds Jr. Yeah. Okay, let's let's do this uh this hitting drill. Pepe, why don't you step up? Here, you throw him a ball, right? He swings and misses. No, Pepe, that's, you're, you're not, come on. I need you to focus. You throw him another ball. He fouls it off, right? No, Pepe, come on. I know what you're, I know what you're capable of here. Here's the next ball. Next ball. He hits it over the fence. Okay. Thank you. Then you got Bill. Bill comes up to the plate. His first swing looks like a baby deer just came out like was born right it's so awkward it's it's lanky like you, you're just like Bill, have you ever played baseball before And bill refocuses you know shrugs his back gets gets the bat back you're like, okay bill put, put the bat over your shoulder hands like this you know hands together feet like this swing he swings do it again does it again, right? Bill, I need you to practice at home. I need you to practice this exact setup, right? Go home. A week later, Pepe steps up, throw Pepe a ball, hits it over the fence. Thank you, Pepe. Go sit down. Bill, it's your turn. Bill gets up. First ball, misses. I guess where I'm going with this is Bill's the hard worker. I didn't get to the part where it illustrates where Bill finally gets it, but I think where Tyler's getting at is... Bill will work exceptionally hard. I think in my first illustration with the coach and Pepe, the coach knows what Pepe is capable of. He knows his potential. He writes off Pepe's underperformance as ah, he's he's not focused. Today. He's he's goofing off or, or whatever it may be. Versus Bill, you need to you need to practice more. Uh, uh, Tyler, is that kind of
2: well? Hold on, yeah. I want to take this another direction real quick because let's take this back to like five, six. So not to get like too personal, but Nick is really good about working on kids who need to work on certain things. For instance, kids who maybe haven't played baseball for very long, he will focus more on, let's say hitting one practice. And then the kids who are a little bit more experienced may not get to hit at all. And for me as a parent, I'm like, dude, my kid still needs to practice hitting. Like he's still not hitting it every single time. Like I need him to practice. So like, how do you find that balance? A kid who still needs to work on certain things, but can kind of obtain it versus putting all your attention into the kid who doesn't have any experience at it at all.
0: So I think my answer to that actually is, um, and and this actually goes to any level, college, travel, uh, five, six, you know, et cetera. The kids that we're going to have to imprint on the most skill wise, that is applicable uh, success on the on the baseball field, softball field. It's a little bit more identifiable to say, hey, I need to make sure before we leave this practice that you understand that this is what you're going to be doing. X, Y, Z. I think it's a little bit different with this age of social media where we can send videos and show demonstrations, et cetera. But of course, from a controllable factor, you want to feel like it came from you, whereas the kids that are pretty skillful. Um, and in this instance for five, six, you're protected kids, to be quite honest, there should be no excuse using your illustration of hitting that even if they miss four balls, uh, I'm gonna put this on a lollipop of the tee and you're still gonna hit the ball. I know that that transitions and changes at seven, eight, et cetera. And at this, I know your question is basically like, hey, these kids still need to get the attention too. I think that it can be done um, a little bit more behind the scenes, the actual tweaking of the mechanics of it are not as extreme as say the kid, uh, using the baby out of the deer, literally teaching them how to hold the bat, where to hold the bat, what to do when the ball actually comes to you. I mean, how many times have we seen the kid that has looks like they never played. They swing after the ball's already bounced past them. So I think it's kind of a risk reward actually, you know, to be honest, Ashley, you know, it's kind of saying, Hey, Given the transition of skill at five six, then the big step. Uh, I think the first thing that most people get right away is is swinging a baseball bat. As Nick said, it's the most fun. The not so glorious part is actually fielding a ball and getting an out, which is probably how you win most of your games. Quite honestly, Ashley, to answer the question, and you'll probably be appalled. Uh, you'll probably see it in my practices this spring. There might be two or three practices where the infield, once the infield's been set. They don't hit at practice at all. And it's because I put so much emphasis on them catching a ball, throwing a ball, and being able to mechanically get outs. Strategy of that changes as everything, you know, evolves. But I also send a lot of information home with the parents, the you know, like the kids that don't hit during practice as much, but also those same kids that are hitting, the the weaker kids, if you will they're also getting applicable base running and so i'm really kind of achieving a lot of a, a more holistic approach to the game but the kids that are not sure how to hit they probably realistically don't know how to run as well so they're working on these skill sets skill sets um and i'm trying to see their growth there um because defensively realistically they're probably playing the outfield and how many balls get to them um you, you know per you know volume whereas the other kids Their hand-eye coordination is already at a pretty strong level. I know it's not a perfect answer, so I apologize. But that's probably the mindset if I'm going to, I don't want to say defend Nick's position on this, but that would probably be the answer.
1: Well, I would like to chime in because I have a lot to say about this specific topic. Because this is something me and Tyler have actually have debates on because we see things a little differently. Just, I'm going to pull it away from like five, six, you know, baseball, just because I feel like things changed a little bit with with that and and teaching because to me they're just all over the place. Someone could be the best athlete of all time and go pro and you wouldn't know if they've had no experience in, in learning what they're supposed to do or like tapping into their skill or or whatever. Um what I would like to say is I feel and I have seen not I don't feel like I have literally seen the God given talent athletes Treated have favorable treatment by the coaches over the hard working athlete. But in, in that same instance, in the same game, I've also seen that God given talent athlete who should have been pulled out of the game throw away a game because they were left in the game too long when the other one should have gone in and replaced that particular athlete. I think coaches oftentimes put way too much trust into this effortless athletic person because they can just see it just comes natural. They just know what to do. But at the same time, they're still human. They're going to have bad days. They're going to make mistakes and there are going to be those games where you need to just pull them out because they could do more damage than good. And I have seen it over and over again. I've seen it in five, six T ball this last season where someone just wasn't cutting it and needed to be pulled out, put into a different position, um, yada, yada, yada. And um, and not necessarily for the gain of the game to win, but, like, the mental, like, the weight that this poor kid or, like, even a high school kid is like, man, I'm messing up over and over and over again. I can't get it together, but yet my coach thinks I can. And, like, I think there is a – I think I've seen coaches to me that have made bad coaching calls based on that. They don't trust their other players enough to come in and replace. I think there's an insecurity there that they've they've become so dependent on these really good athletes to carry the games, where these other ones who have worked really hard and arguably have pretty good stats could come in and and get the, get the job done. And so to me, I will never respect or appreciate a lazy athlete ever. Um, I don't care how good you are. If you're lazy and you don't work hard, then, you know, to me, you're just like, I don't care. Like, I don't care how good you are because to me you should always respect yourself enough you should respect your team enough and you should respect your coach enough to be able to always work hard to perfect your skill and to show up and even even to the point of like hey I'm having a really off day I'm going to give it a shot but even letting your coach know like you know I I'm going to give it my my best effort today but like and this maybe is more for females because I feel like we have more mental days than males but um like just being like you know just giving you a heads up like uh you know I've had this and this go on you know in the last couple days and I'm just really struggling today so if if I'm struggling take me out you know I know that my teammate can come in and fill in this spot and so I have seen preferential um treatment to the god-given athletes because it there it does you know it does seem a little bit more effortless I also think there is a point in time where they just don't cut it and the person who maybe not be as like naturally talented is capable of coming in so if they worked hard and they're you know showing that they can do it you know like it may not look as pretty or it may not like come as effortlessly, but they can still get the job done, you know, having that confidence that they can step in and, and, and take care of it. Um, So I don't know. I've seen a lot of really good naturally like talented athletes and I've, a lot of them were lazy and just showboaters and I've seen a lot of them throw away a game because they're trying to score points for themselves and trying to do this for themselves and the team gets lost in the whole thing. And it can just, to me, it can get, it can be really dangerous um, for coaches to get, to get caught up in those players that are like more athletic than, than the other ones. So that's my take on it.
3: I think just kind of provide a little bit of additional depth to that is Sarah, you'd you mentioned in terms of like lazy coaching. I think, I mean, I think that that's completely accurate. Of like, I think some coaches rely too heavily on the gifted athletes and don't necessarily give the hardest worker uh, a shot, especially when things go wrong. That's usually a good indicator of who's even tested that theory, right? Like, you could have uh, just use baseball as an example, maybe let's uh, just use football, right? Quarterback is not making throws correctly, uh, throws in an interception, right? Well, that's our, it's our best, best quarterback. We got to keep him in, right? Like he's, he's surely going to do better than Timmy, right? Timmy's our backup quarterback and Timmy, you know, doesn't know half the playbook. Well, let's go back to practice. Did you give Timmy honest reps, several reps during practice? Or are you just relying on Mark who comes in and just, you know, dominates it because he's a very gifted multi-sport athlete. Mark's got 30 reps during that week of your playbook versus Timmy, who's got 12 reps, one one of each play that you have. I think that's like from my personal perspective, where coaching decisions can come back and haunt him because what happens when Mark gets hurt? Then what? You're just gonna exploit like, oh well, we don't have depth. Well who's whose fault is that? Really what it comes down to. It comes down to the head coach. You didn't you did not develop the depth behind that. Yeah, Timmy's not gifted. Work with him, right? Like what? what is what is Timmy's deficiencies? Work with that. Figure that out. Minimize it. Uh, sure. Again, if we're going to use f- football, the playbook kind of maybe shortens, but that again comes back to how many reps did Timmy get during practice? If you're installing a new play, I get that. But I do think that that's where some coaches try to rely too heavily on gifted athletes or just a more athletic kid and if or when that that more athletic kid gets hurt sick out whatever that may be that that coach starts to panic and go i don't have plan b right like timmy was my plan b so tyler so you you get something to say yeah
0: yeah yeah i got i got a lot to i'm gonna try to keep this sequenced um i'm gonna plant this seed to start generationally speaking, and I think this would include all four of us, when I start thinking about the greatest of all time, our generation, um, and then it could arguably transcend to all of the said sport. Uh, I know, Sarah, this won't be a a big talking point for you. Uh, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning are not going to be the first quarterbacks that are going to have the strongest arms, um, the greatest athletic ability. Um, But I think that their ability to work extremely hard over anybody else. It, obviously Peyton's example is a little bit different than Tom's, but both of those quarterbacks arguably are the two best quarterbacks that we might ever see. Now mind you, we could cherry pick this back and say, well, there's Patrick Mahomes you know creating you know his career and he's obviously extremely gifted. But I'm just using those two as an example. When I think about Steph Curry, um, a very undersized by all NBA standards, uh, you know point guard shooting guard, worked his ass off to be the absolute best three point shot in and kind of trans transitioned the game to what we see it today. Just because of his ability to work really hard and become uh I don't wanna I don't want to pigeonhole him in just, just being a great shooter, but um working extremely hard, right? Nick, I'm sure you've got some weird northern ice hockey story about some kid who worked really hard, but uh I don't know how much our listeners would care, no, I'm just kidding. Um <laughs> But uh but I, I just kind of use those as, as quick brief examples.
3: Um the Black second Mamba. thing I wanna I wanna point out Black Mamba, Michael J- or Michael Jordan. Oh yeah. I mean how many times well, did those guys Kobe you mean Kobe? Black Mamba was Kobe. That's what I said. Black Mamba and Oh, okay, MJ. sorry. Okay, oh, oh, gotcha, okay, fair enough. Uh gotcha, but, sorry. Yeah, I mean Kobe and Michael, in my opinion, are the epiphany of like They were largely considered the goats during their careers and still are, right? But Kobe would go to the gym at like, what, 4.30 in the morning? Before everybody had their own practice. Go home at like 6 or 7 or whatever. Like, I don't remember exactly his routine was. But like, I guess to Sarah's point, like, these guys were potentially considered gifted athletes. Maybe Michael Jordan's story is a little bit different because I know he got cut from high school ball. Uh, but that's because his coach thought he was too short, but they worked relentlessly and became Mm -hmm. the goat and never stopped working. And it's like this dialogue we have, I specifically have with our oldest, a lot of like the minute you think you're good, that other person's catching up to you because they're you're, you're the target. And every day that you don't practice every day, (laughs) it's now transcended to like dinner every day. You don't eat your dinner our middle child is eating his dinner and he's getting just as good, if not better than you, it's just going to add up. And like, I kid you not, it's actually started to like transcend where like our middle child recently is like, I'm eating his dinner, dad. It's like, yeah, I know. And, and yeah. old, like it, it's just become this like works com- great. <laughs> competitive nature. Um, so,
0: so I right. think Nick um, where I was going to answer on my side of this Sarah will probably jaw drop when I give this answer because she sees how I recruit and scout. As a side note, college coaching on this answer is different than my own personal, like, internal, like, love for the story. Um, I, I, I always want to work with the kid that is not as skillfully as talented because I think as a coach, you you have an opportunity to really, really put into that player, Right. The God-Gifted Kid. Uh, we'll use baseball as the analogy, where exit velocity off the bat is just out the charts. Um, runs like a deer. You know, laser rocket of an arm. A- as a coach, what are you bringing to the table? You're instilling work ethic, as, as you know, as Sarah had pointed out. Skill-wise, you're not touching a whole lot. I mean, you do, but it's like the one percent of tweaks. The kid that has to earn everything they got. You get to watch that journey. And it's more fruitful, I, I think, as a coach, right? I think the turtles in the, the hair type of story here. It is different, I'll be honest, when you're relying on a paycheck to win baseball games or softball games, in my instance, where I can't take too many projects because I've got, like, you get four years, right? But if year one and year two are all about development, and then by year three, if they don't get it, then you just wasted a scholarship. You just wasted the potential of a lot of losses. You might've just lost your job because you wanted the feel good story, so it's a really weird balance at the college level, and, and it's really stressful in that environment. Um, but in its heart, uh, I always want the kid that's willing to to run through the wall, right? Like the old saying, you you know you you can take the horse to water, but you can't make them drink it. I find using that analogy, the kids, the kids or the athletes of the world that are just God given talented, they don't like to drink the water as much as you'd want them to. I'm very curious just coming from our inner circle that we're at. And we, you know, we make references to Barry Bonds Jr. I'm curious to see how good Barry Bonds Jr. is down the road. Kid's unbelievably gifted um, genetically off the charts. I want to see a kid that's willing to put in the work and see if they catch it, you know, just from the sample size in the community of our our baseball league. But yeah, I, I think it's definitely something that is always, at least visually, Steen, you don't have to be a coach to see the the God-given talented kid versus the kid that works hard. Um, but certainly as from the coaching perspective, I, I do. I want the kid that wants to work hard. I want to see where their limits are, as Sarah talked about, uh, as we're kind of wrapping up the show tonight. Kids, and for Nick, you and I, we, we get these kids at a foundational level. And with them being a sponge, uh, I want to be able to give them as much as they can possibly take or to absorb, I should say. And then we pause when it, we can see that that cup's overflowing and we reassess and we redevelop the plan and the new progression. And that's, what's really cool to me for coaching is to always be a part of that journey. And to think that I'm, a, I am ai do not mean, I don't want to sound egotistical here, but like to think that I'm part of the reason for their success. Well, if that makes sense, how I'm saying that, I know that sounds really, I don't know, I, maybe we'll phrase a different, better way of saying that, but. I just want to know that I'm able
3: to give them something to make them successful. Yeah. I, I had a, a, the egotistical way of saying it. Like, you want to be responsible for their success, or you want to be responsible for providing them the tools or drills or techniques or corrections, whatever term or item you want to select there to unlock their yeah. potential. I mean, really, that's the, kind of the theme here is how do, how do we, as we're coaches, how do we unlock this kid's potential and let them? Like, exceed everybody's expectations. All right. Well, it's the end of episode yeah. four. I think on this note, I think we've got enough material that I think it's time to hang them up.